you know, other people seem to slip into hallucinations and whatnot, and, and I would love it if that were the case for me. I've never once experienced a hallucination, but instead I slip into this state where I, I swear if I, if I blinked for too long, I would just faceplant right there on the trail and, and, and be fast asleep. Back we are with the Fastest Known Podcast, where we practice physical distancing and social intimacy. We all, at least everybody I know, definitely wears face masks while indoors and in public and maintain six-foot distance. But whenever we get the chance, like right now, we try to connect up with each other. And we're connecting this time from way across the pond. I'm speaking with John Kelly from England. Welcome, John. Hey there, Buzz. It's been a long time since we've talked, and you've been up to some interesting things. Uh, But we'll get into those in a minute. I want everyone to know a little bit about you, very little bit, because, of course, runners hate talking about themselves. They can't stand (laughs) it. So please bear with me just a second. You are the last person to finish the Barkley Marathons, I believe. Yep, still uh, go, going on over three years now with, with yeah. that title. <laughs> with that title. And, and of course, with Laz making the course slightly harder each time, uh, we'll see what happens. But you went back, Jared went back, Jared, the three time finisher, and both of you had tough days in 2019 last year. And of course, it was canceled this year. So uh, we'll, you're, you being the last Barkley finisher might stand for a little while. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hopefully not not any longer than next year, but we'll see. It's it's never <laughs> a, a given in that race. It's never a given. <laughs> hopefully not won't stand past next year. I like that. But do you think it is possible to do it twice? I mean, you you actually were real fit last year, 2019, and you uh, you know, you were the, the last guy standing, but you said, "Ah, eh, I think I've had enough." I mean, is it possible to muster the mental and emotional drive to survive that more than just once? So I, I, I was in the lead when I dropped, but the, the last person standing uh, title has to, has to go to uh, Carl Sabe on that. Um, he, he kept going a good bit longer than I do. And you're absolutely right, though. It's, it's a huge... Uh, mental effort to be able to push through that race. And I was kind of cursed with the knowledge of knowing what I would have to do to make it through <laughs> loops four and five. And uh, I, I realized after two loops that I just mentally was not in a spot at the time where I had that. So I, I do think it's possible. Jared and Brett Mounty have both demonstrated that. And I do think that if I go back in the right uh, mental frame and, and mindset that, that I can do it. Uh, but it's, it's a matter of finding that motivation to, to be able to push through, uh, those, those last two loops. Well put John, very well put. Jared obviously has done it three times, Brett twice. Both of them have been on our podcast, uh, really fun interviews there. So glad we got you on finally. And that's interesting. Of course, Carol Sabe, who just crushed the Appalachian Trail. I mean, he just knocked it out of the park by almost four days. And he was indeed the last person standing. Carl gets it done too. 
Yeah, so I was. It was going to be an exciting year this year with him uh, coming back with uh, some experience under his belt, uh, and and with with Gary and, and myself being back and a number of other really strong runners. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to uh, kind of maintain that level of fitness and motivation uh, going into uh, the the twenty twenty one version. Wow. And uh, Gary, of course, is Gary Robbins, made famous by multiple Barkley movies, <laughs> uh, including the one where he came up just very short. So, uh, but uh, close doesn't really count, does it? No, un- well, un- unfortunately not. I mean, what, what he did was an absolutely incredible achievement. Um, but, but of course, there's... Uh, there's a cutoff there and he, he went the wrong way, um, at, at the end of the race. And, uh, and yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, that, that doesn't quite cut it. <laughs> wow. Only counts in horseshoes as they say, but moving on, John, uh, you were, you're, you're, you're the big guy. You just, you do the long routes. Uh, if you look at your record, uh, you know, it's not like, you're not like the 10 K guy, you know, you, you just do these huge events and then you move to England and you did a few, you've done a few things over there as well. So what, what was the deal? You just moved over to England for work just to try to find something else to do. Yeah. So, uh, we, we started a a company over here. Uh, it's where our kind of business partners and opportunities were. So, uh, I'm I'm out in Bristol, about two hours west of London, just south of Wales, uh, living uh, in the picture, picturesque countryside uh, right here with a 3,000-year-old stone circle uh, outside my window in a cow pasture. Uh, no, wait, so is that really true? These things, I've, you know, it's the Stonehenge thing, the Neolithic structures, is that really it, true that you really are looking out your window at one such Neolithic yeah, structure? It, and and it's funny. Yesterday, I went on a bike ride, and I acci- I I accidentally went by Stonehenge. Uh, I knew it was close <laughs> to me. Um, I had no idea where it actually was, and was riding along. And there's a sign, and next thing I know, uh, there it is, out in the field. Uh, and <laughs> and so yeah, there's there's another one here that's not quite as impressive. Um, just sitting out here in in the cow pasture. So they're uh, they're kind of scattered all over the place here. Wow. Well, you could charge admission maybe, but but maybe <laughs> in England it's no big deal. I mean, the country goes way way back. Unlike the United States, are the young upstart that you just left. England has this insane history, including the Pennine Way, which actually I haven't quite got to that. We're going to talk about your recent FKT and the Pennine Way with its amazing history. But just to get caught up. So a little bit more, you did Tour de Jean in Italy, giant mountain race, serious up and down there, mm-hmm. 330K. And uh, wow, wow. But what you also, well, actually, before I move on, what differences, John, are you noticing? Are there any differences? Is it, uh, you know, afternoon tea instead of morning coffee? Or what's the difference between England and the U.S. in terms of the scene? 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the Damien and I had a kind of running joke and a, a side bet for the Penine Way on uh, which tea uh, we were going to have to drink afterwards with him, his proper <laughs> English tea, and me, my um, southern sweet tea, um, it, it, it imported uh, from my, my last trip home to the U.S., uh, so there, there are some, uh, differences like that. There are some differences in, in the trails. Uh, it's kind of neat here. There are all these public rights of way, uh, that just cut all over the place through people's fields and, uh, across their property. And, uh, sometimes they're, they're well trod and distinct. And, and sometimes you're just kind of running aimlessly through a, a pasture, um, not knowing <laughs> where exactly the, the gate on the other side is. The, the community, though, is, is absolutely uh, incredible. And, and that's been one big difference for me in particular uh, on these kind of uh, FKT type attempts is in the U.S. Most of what I did, I would, I would try to largely do it uh, unsupported or, or self-supported. Uh, whereas here there's this great tradition in, in fell running of, uh, pacers and, and people coming out to support, uh, and, and it's really more of a, a community effort, uh, to do these sorts of things and, and to see how far, uh, some of these records and, and these times can be pushed. And, and it's been a, a really neat thing, uh, to see. Good point. I like that. A community effort. That I really appreciate that because here in the Wild West, uh, the United States of America, we had this strong individualistic attitude. It's really yeah. strong. The people tend to go out there all by themselves all the time. And in FKT land, we really they seem to really go after this unsupported style. They want it. Peter and I are you know, processing all these submissions, mainly Peter. And people are, are trying to say, can I get this unsupported? How about if I do this? How about if I do that? And we're like, don't worry about it. Do what works best. But the Americans want to feel unsupported. Well, you know that in England, why do that? Why not just go as part of the community and, and make it more of a community event? Yeah, and it was the first time that I, I did one uh, last year, shortly after I arrived. I, I'd set it up and... Um, it was a it was a big challenge, and so I recognized that I I needed support to have a, a chance at it. But I kind of started off with just okay, y'all y'all help with navigation. I'll I'll carry my own stuff, and 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 we'll do this. And partway into it, I'm like okay, y'all y'all can carry this stuff, but maybe I'll hang on to my my water here. And, and by the end of it, it was just okay, y'all y'all got everything. I'm just gonna try to keep moving and. Uh, worry about that. Right. Why? Why Why worry about it? Good point. And, and part of that is the phenomenal history. Fell running predates anything almost anywhere else, maybe some parts of the Central Alps. But fell running in the UK has been going on for literally centuries. And indeed, per your example, when Killian did the famous Bob Graham round a number of years ago, you know, the, everyone is out. There was the, the whole community, the previous record holder was there to greet him. So it was very supportive. It was much less individualistic. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, and that's been another thing that's, that's been incredible. You know, mine and Killian's cases were, were not, you know, native, 
native Brits, and uh, in Killian's case, even uh, something I, I think most people don't know is, is he had actually, there was someone else uh, local that was going to make an attempt a few days earlier, and he ended up uh, not being able to go. And his entire support crew, uh, he, he essentially just handed it over to Killian. Uh, and, and Killian got this just amazing group of, of pacers uh, to go with him on that, who, who could keep the pace, who knew the, the route like the back of their hand. Uh, and they're all just excited to, to see uh, what's possible and, and uh, to, to keep seeing these limits get pushed. John, that's a... That's a, an emotive story. I like that. I really like the ask, the community aspects of FKTs have always been a strong aspect for me, how we all share together. And I really like hearing when people are coming out to support each other. That's part of the ethic, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, you know, I, I think that both ways uh, definitely have their value. There is still something to be said for uh, these, these independent uh, kind of self-supported or unsupported attempts, uh, but it's the the, the community effort is, is something that um, I've I've really uh, learned and, and embraced uh, while I've been here. Wow, good for you! You'll come back a better person. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, and the route you were just referring to, I believe, was linking the three classic rounds. Now, for listeners who don't know this, a round is um, kind of like a traverse, so to speak. It's more like a link up. A round is a link up, but it's a loop link up. So you're basically, again, you know this way better than I do, so please correct anything I'm saying incorrectly. But in a round, a pure British terminology, it's only used in the UK, uh, you summit numerous peaks and then return and usually, I think, close the loop. And your route in between the peaks is optional. It's not totally prescribed. You absolutely have to tag every summit, but how you do that is up to you. And those are tended to be called rounds and they watch those very closely. You got to do it just right. You have to keep a logbook. You almost have to have witnesses, I think, on the summits because this, these was very competitive pre-GPS times. Am I correct in describing the rounds? Yeah, you've, you've pretty much nailed it there. You can, uh, the the fells and the moorland around here uh you know it's it's all pretty well deforested and, and just grassy uh hills so you can take whatever line you want uh between summits some of them you can the summits don't necessarily even have to be uh in the same order at this point on the big grounds there's of course people have established kind of what the optimal uh, lines are and what the optimal route is, but there's there's still a bit of a variation on that. And and yeah, you, you basically uh, start and end at the same point and, and tag the uh, specified peaks uh, on the way. And you tried to connect the three most famous ones, including the Bob Graham, by uh, self-powered, by biking. And you are, in case people aren't aware of this, or maybe are, or at least were a top triathlete. So you're very good on the bike. And so tell me about that attempt. 
So that was uh, that that was yeah, just shortly after I arrived here, and it was amazing uh, to see so much support so quickly fall into place for this uh, you know crazy American who showed up and said he was going to do this thing that uh, a lot of people probably uh, justifiably didn't think was possible. Uh, still hasn't been proven possible yet. Um, but the, the three rounds are, are the Patty Buckley in Wales, the Bob Graham in, in England, and Charlie Ramsey in Scotland. And so uh, all in all, there's um, around uh, 185 miles of um, running. Uh, I can't, I'm trying to remember the exact number of uh the, the exact amount of climbing. I think it's around 85,000 feet of climbing, about 113 summits. And then, uh, I, like you said, I, I was going to, to ride my bike uh, in between them, which involved about 400 miles of, of biking. And so the, the goal is to do each of these rounds uh, within 24 hours. And I uh, was very quickly introduced to uh, British mountain weather and just got absolutely blasted uh, with rain and, and storms pretty much the entire time. I, I made it through the first two rounds, um, both under 24 hours, uh, but hadn't had enough as much time as I'd hoped for for, for sleep and, and rest. And so I got on my bike to head up to Scotland and I, I kind of just decided that I, I was not in a state uh, where I could safely bike up uh, narrow Scottish mountain highways uh, for 200 miles. So at night, it, yeah, yeah, that it, it would it would largely <laughs> be at night. Uh, so you know, it's it's one thing to be wandering around the hills when you're sleep deprived and drowsy. It's another thing to be on uh, on a bike with with trucks flying past you. What did you call that project, John? Uh, I called it the Grand Round, and I'm I'm actually uh, I'm reattempting it here in about two weeks. So I I've uh, oh I, I've taken my lessons learned and developed a, a better plan, and we'll uh, do more to account for weather and get enough sleep, and uh, we'll see how it goes this time. Wow! So you're still strong on the bike. Uh, you know, probably not as strong as I used to be, but what I've found interestingly is, is that I've really been able to, uh, maintain a, a lot of my bike fitness through my running. And, and I know that like, if I just ran all this time and had never gotten on a bike, then I wouldn't have that level of, of bike fitness. So I don't know if it's something about, neuromuscular pathways that I developed in my time as a triathlete that I can quickly uh, get going again. And of course, running maintains my, my muscular and my, my cardio fitness. Uh, but I've, I've found that I, I can hop back on the bike after not being on it um, very much. And uh, I, I can put out a, a pretty strong effort. Pretty strong. I like the understatement. Well, the photo of you attempting the grand round was epic because, like you said, these are the three classic rounds, three different countries, 400 miles of cycling in between them. And there you are on your tri-bike, <laughs> full 
aerodynamic carbon fiber tri-band. You're wearing that skin suit with the aero helmet, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this this guy's not dressed in his British tweeds, you know. You're you're going for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've I've got all that still, so you, you know, you need to put it to to good use for something. <laughs> Wow. The Grand Round Wealth listeners, we heard it first here on the Fastest Known Podcast. We'll look for this in two weeks. That would be uh, that would be big, John. So you, uh, you, you still are the sleep deprivation king. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I do these things, and of, of course, I, I, I have a, my job and my family that also helps with uh, that training, but I... I still haven't quite cracked it either. And, and, you know, doing things like the Penine Way I just did and doing Tour de Giant last year, I kind of slip into this state where I just, you know, other people seem to slip into hallucinations and whatnot. And, and I would love it if that were the case for me. I've never once experienced a hallucination. But instead, I slip into this state where I, I swear if, if I blinked for too long, I would just face plant right there on the trail and 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 be fast asleep <laughs> wow well that goes just to kind of tie this back together this goes back to the barkley story because uh, you finished it in 2017 after coming extremely close in 2016 and doing quite well in 2015 so third time was the charm on that one but it definitely showed the commitment you know your previous year that was commitment because if jared told me this many times in person unless there is no doubt in your mind you can't do barkley it's not a matter of time you can't do it if you ask yourself the question can i go on you can't and i think the previous year when you came up a little short you had already transcended to that level because you started that lap. You started that last lap, and the story goes, I could be incorrect, but you marched out of that camp. You made it like 400 meters down the path, and you just did the face plant. You, <laughs> but you left camp. Yeah. That was the key thing. You got up and you moved. Yeah, I, I came in from my fourth loop with, I think, 12 minutes left before I had to start my fifth loop. And so I, I started my loop, and I, I think 400 yards is a bit generous. It may have been 100 that I made it, <laughs> uh, you know, officially starting the loop and then just laid down uh, next to the trail for a nap. So uh, I, you know, very much had it in my mind to, to keep going and, until I couldn't on that one. But you, you also say I was close that year, and I thought I was close. And as I learned uh, the following year when I finished and was again in my mind when I decided to quit in 2019, uh, that that I, I was not close. That that fifth loop is just, it, it takes so much more and you're in such a rough spot. And especially me on the sleep de- deprivation, um, it, it, it was a lot remaining uh, to get through. To, to get to that finish line. Gotcha. But you did start the fifth lap. I did. And, and that's the commitment. And, and after it, that, that's the commitment that it and, takes. And what's, what gets missed uh, a lot on that, uh, like in uh, Ethan Newberry's Where Dreams Go to Die movie, I after that nap, I got up 
and I marched up the mountain and I got my first book page. And, uh, oh. it, it was after that, that I, uh, I kind of sat down in the shade of a pine tree, uh, contemplating the, uh, the, the sanity of descending the other side of the mountain. Uh, and I, I think I dozed off there and, uh, woke up and, and just, uh, headed back to camp. Good call. And like you say, if you're on a uh, road bike, actually a tri-bike, which is even squirrelier, uh, at night in Scotland, bad idea. Yeah. And this happened. The race across America, Ram, famous race, nonstop bike race across America. Things like bad things happen. And so you definitely want to watch out for that while on a bicycle. Yeah. And, and that's one of those things where it just, uh, I, I do these extreme challenges and, and I always have to ask myself, uh, where does it cross the line? Uh, in, in terms of, uh, is it worth it? And in terms of, of safety and, and for me, uh, again, it just, at, at that point, it, it wasn't worth it, uh, putting myself at, at that level of risk. Good call. We appreciate that. Your wife, no doubt, appreciates it. Your children probably appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm and, sure they and, do. Um, you, you know, so taking and, it... and I've, I've got to keep in mind setting a, an example for them as well when I, I already see uh, some of the more unfortunate aspects of my genetic code in them uh, where they, they fearlessly charge off to, to do things that are uh, maybe maybe not in their best interest. And do you find yourself going, oh, look out, be careful? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, 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 I know how that feels, indeed. So taking us into current tense, the Pennine Way. This is uh, a classic walk that walk. It's not, it classically it was done as a walk, but obviously you ran most of it. 268 miles, which goes kind of across the spine of England, north to south. And how classic can this be? Because you're in England, almost everything is classic. But this, they even made a four-part BBC series called The Pennine Way. I don't think NBC has ever done that in the United States. So this is kind of a big deal in England, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the, the first national trail, and there's a, a lot of uh, history behind it as, as far as kind of there was uh, this this period over here where basically all the land was owned by the, the uber wealthy and no one had access to any of it and there was this the great trespass uh, movement where people went out and just uh, kind of forcibly <laughs> took these these right of ways and uh, established this movement where these this network of trails was was created the, the Penine way was the the first national trail it's kind of like the the Appalachian Trail of, of England. Uh, and so there is a, a lot of history and, and a lot of, um, it, it, it's held in, in very high regard. I didn't know about that specific movement. I definitely know that in the UK, as in most parts of Europe, and very diametrically different than the United States, there isn't this extraordinary uptightness about private property. In the United States, of course, people get hysterical about it for 
you know, someone could own 10,000 acres and if someone sets foot on it, they just go berserk. Yeah. And, and uh, while that's the, the laws are very different where you well, are. And, and that's, that's one of the things that again, took some uh, adjustment for me uh, with where I come from and then moving here where again, there's these footpaths, these, these rights of way through people's pastures, through their property, you follow them and you, you know, you go through their field you walk up their driveway next to their their barn and <laughs> sometimes through their backyard and and I'm in my head of course instinctively not thinking um you know it, it's it, it's not if it's going to happen but it's will it be a 20 gauge or a 12 gauge <laughs> right right and you you are from Tennessee yes yes right yeah, they start with a dog, <laughs> and then, uh, mm -hmm. wow, that is very different. What a wonderful way to look at it, because uh, a walker or runner such as yourself isn't doing any harm at all. And I think the Pennine Way, boy, it's, it's very popular. It's not obscure, so you're getting a lot of people on it. Like 12,000 people do the whole thing, and yet it goes through a lot of private property. Yeah, it but it's public footpath, though we should note it goes through uh, what someone owns, but it is a public footpath, so it's different. So when, as long as you stay on that footpath, it is public. right. And and so that's the case for parts of it. Parts of it are in national parks, which those you're you're free to to roam uh, wherever you like. Um, and and parts of it are are quite. Another interesting thing is even the the portions that are are quite remote. Uh, it, it's not like in the U.S. where you can get out in the Sierra Nevada or the, the Rockies or, or wherever and, and basically feel like you are completely isolated, untouched by humanity, just pristine wilderness. Uh, whereas here you, you can see uh, kind of the, the human activity throughout the millennia, whether it's an old stone wall running along the hills, or it's the remains of an old Roman fort, or even a hill fort from 3,000 plus years ago. One of the my favorite routes here next to my house, I, I, I run up this thing and I'm, I'm looking down at the summit of the, uh, uh, the actual natural summit because I'm running along the ramparts from a, an Iron Age hill, hill fort. Uh, that's that's still up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that sounds wonderful, John. It really, except there's rain, but other than the rain, well, you get used to it. That's part of the sport. Mud is part yeah, of the sport. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I, I like to say for, for what we think of as mud in the U.S., it's uh, dirt with a bit of water mixed in. And most of the time here, it's uh, water with a bit of dirt mixed in. <laughs> Okay, and this is coming from a Barclay person, so that's a serious yeah, statement. Yeah, well, I've, well, I've you, never uh, fallen you, waist deep into uh, any mud at, at Barclay. You've, you've fallen waist yeah, deep? Yeah, the, the bogs here. Uh, I've, I've, that's another thing I've had to get educated on is, is bogs, uh, where they're, uh, I mean, seriously, <laughs> they're, like, they're like quicksand uh, out of an action movie. That, you, you know, you, you fall in and you just... <laughs> It, you're up to your waist and you cannot move your legs and, and you kind of have to hope that you can reach the other side and pull yourself out. 
So gators aren't really helping you out too much, are they? No, you're uh, you're gonna get your feet wet. It's <laughs> not not much you can do about that. Gore-Tex, gators. I mean, you'd about have to be wearing full full-on waders uh, to to prevent that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, I've been in the Pennines, and hmm, well, help me out on this. I, I haven't d- really done anything there. Gone for little runs and hikes, but basically, I was just passing through. It's very moderate, topographically speaking. So uh, the UK people, strong tradition of fell running, and they go to the big races overseas. They do very well, whether it's the World Mountain Running Trophy or UTMB and so forth. But the, the Pennines, boy, they make the Appalachians look like Yosemite Valley. That's what it seems to me anyway. So you, you had some vert, but it's these are rounded summits. Yeah, there there are a few sections that have some decent climbs, uh, but for the most part, it's it's very much uh, rolling terrain. And there are areas in the UK, um, it, you know, like the rounds we discussed earlier. That's that's again, each one is around a hundred k and uh, twenty five to to thirty thousand feet of, of elevation. Um, each one. It, yes. Uh, whereas the Penine Way, um, just point to point, shortest route, it's it's about 260 miles, and over that entire stretch, the uh, elevation gain is around 38,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So much yeah, much more so moderate. Much more moderate. Well, that's what it looks like to me. But then, like you said earlier, it's it's, it's perplexing because they're clear. Uh, there's no trees. And my understanding, again, I don't know, is that they were just logged. Just every single tree was logged, often to burn for fuel for Sheffield, uh, you know, to make steel and so forth. And due to the climate and just ecology, the trees didn't come back. Unless they're replanted, they don't come back. And the sheep come in and graze it all down. So it stays this odd open moorland. Yeah, that's that's very much the case. It, it was always my assumption that the trees were cut down to defeat the Spanish Armada, but I, I, I don't know. At some point, yeah, they're they're pretty much uh, all gone. There are some some tiny forests here and there. There are some efforts to uh, replant some of the areas, but yeah, like you said, there's um, there are no natural predators here, so sheep are grazing everywhere and and anything that that comes up um they're they're going to uh chew right back Eat down it. yeah um wow so it's it's Good a very point about the no natural predators yeah that's, that's interesting isn't it that's yeah and that that's a question that... I, I get quite often here of well, how do you deal with bears and snakes and <laughs> i always say well actually it's the elk that you have to worry about they're the scary ones <laughs> You're right about that. People always ask about things like bears. They, they're just—I don't know—they've—they've they've seen some strange movie on TV or something like that because we don't really think about that. Yeah, it's not bears are pretty nice. I kind of like bears. Well, but black bears at least. <laughs> but I, yeah, if you're up in the Yukon, that'd be different. Yeah, but I, you know, and I also respond with, well, you know, at least it's not Australia where everything that is moves is trying to kill you. <laughs> the snakes in particular yep. in Australia. 
Hmm. Hmm. That's a good point. Okay. All right. So the, the Pennines are gradual, long, historical, super mud. And you did this 268 mile route in two days, 16 hours and 46 minutes, which is 40 minutes faster than the previous FKT, but that stood for 31 years. So you kind of upset the apple cart, 31 year old FKT and the yank comes over and nabs it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Although the, you know, I, I tell people here, don't call a Southerner a yank. Um, we've, Ooh, we've, we've, that's a good point. we've got our own meaning for it in the U S. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so um, my my apologies on that one. John. <laughs> no, that's fine, uh, but no, that they, it's incredible to, to see the support. And again, people here are just they they want to see uh, these uh, records challenged. They want to see people push the limits. And and so, uh, never once have I really felt like uh, kind of the the outsider uh, trying to to do these things. And it's. Uh, of course, natural to kind of uh, assign some of that feeling myself uh, with with Damien uh, coming after me and being the second one to go and seeing everyone cheer for him. But I, I know that if the the order had been reversed and I had been going second, um, that the, uh, the this the same amount of support uh, would have been shown to me. And as I expected. Uh, it, it would be if, if I go uh, again and, and become the, uh, a, a, the the third person <laughs> to go on it. Well, well, let's get into that because you, I know what you're talking about, but I'm not sure if the listeners do. Damien Hall, a very accomplished mountain runner. Uh, you're, you specialize in the big things, the harder things, but Damien is more of a classic felon mountain runner, I think. And he went just one week later, I believe, and took your time down by approximately three hours. Yeah. Uh, so Damien and I live uh, fairly close to one another. We've we've trained together and are, are friends. And and we had discussed uh, actually trying to 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 kind of race it uh, at the same time, going in opposite directions. Uh, and and so that would have uh, unfortunately our, our calendar stood in a line for that. That would have been good fun. Uh, but as it worked out, wow. I, yeah, I, I went first and so I, I had my, uh, my target and I, I tend to, uh, be someone who, who responds, uh, whether it's a competitor or a cutoff that I'm chasing, I, I kind of, I do what's necessary, uh, to, to get it done. Uh, so many of the things that I've, I've done, I, I'm, you know, within, 30 minutes of, of the cutoff or I'm um, fending off a challenge from a, a competitor. And, and so I, I did, I, I came in uh, and beat the record by 34 minutes. And I was, I was pretty thrilled with that. Like you said, it, it had stood for 31 years and it's, it's a big historic trail. People have taken shots at this record. Um, it's not like it had just stood idle for 31 years with no attempts. Uh, and, and then of course, kind of before I'm even able to recover and, and process that Damien comes and just absolutely, uh, smashes it, uh, the next week. Uh, and he, he did go, uh, opposite direction, but the, there's just one record, uh, on this route. And so, uh, that, 
that of course uh very uh mixed feelings for me with it being so uh so quick after my attempt but uh that's the way it goes um and it it was exciting to see and he had an incredible run uh, i'm i'm thrilled for him to have it and he has uh he has pushed that bar even farther and and set an exciting new challenge for uh myself and and any others uh, who might like to to take a shot at it in the future there is a photo of you at the finish line yep Yep. So uh, I, no. I went up there to, to see him finish. I was actually going to run one of the last stretches with him, but he uh, he got so dang far ahead of schedule that I didn't get up there in time <laughs> to 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 run the section with him. So I, I was I was there waiting for him at the finish alongside uh, Mike Hartley, who who set the previous record in, in 1989. Great. We might have Damien on this very podcast because the what a what a great story here. Uh, all of a sudden, after 31 years, it's really heated up. Two people are going after it, and you suggested that you might go back and have another go as well. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how my thoughts evolve and and what my schedule looks like. Obviously, doing something like this takes a, a big commitment and a, a big chunk out of your schedule. Uh, but even before Damien, um, you know, did, did his run, I, w I was contemplating going back because I, I've done these records before. And for some of them, uh, some of the ones that I, I really kind of latch on to and, and that have personal meaning to me, uh, I, I really my objective is is to put my best effort out there to to leave kind of the best possible time uh that i can do uh, on this route and uh despite being thrilled with breaking the record and and happy with my time i i, I don't know i could say that i was content with it and that i i felt that i could do better uh, i had a lot of stomach issues um sleep issues that arose from those stomach issues. Uh, and, and so I felt that I could, uh, I could put a lower time on there and, and I wanted to do that. Uh, and now that, that Damien has, has lowered the bar or raised the bar, I, I guess, whichever way you look at it, uh, even farther, uh, that's, that's again, that's, uh, another very powerful, uh, motivator, uh, to get back out there and, uh, see what I can do and to be sure that I give it my best effort, um, with, with again, uh, me being someone who really responds to having these, uh, th these cutoffs, uh, to chase. Right. You're not a time trialer. You want to, uh, get it done. It, very, very much so. And, and that's, uh, I don't know if that's a positive or a negative for me, but you kind of look at, at my my times and my my results, and I have so many results that are just under uh, what I was shooting, just <laughs> under the record, or just under 24 hours, or Ironmans. I had three straight Ironmans that were 858. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's... I, I think it probably a, a strength and a weakness. You'll do what it takes. I, I appreciate that. I, I'm definitely the same way. Um, I, I put up a lot of times early on when other people weren't doing it. And I was pretty casual about it, actually. It's like, hey, it's the fastest time. Who cares? I don't 
why why get too tired? I don't really get that <laughs> tired. And then after someone else comes along, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should have gone a little faster that time. But yeah, that's uh, that's what fastestknowntime.com does. It, it enables us to compare ourselves and do our best. It's not exactly a competition. It's a stimulus and a reference and a context so that we can do the best that we can. That's, that's exactly right. I, I enjoy the personal challenges. Um, I enjoy being able to test myself completely independent uh, of others. But at the same time, it's, it's nice to uh, be able to sometimes uh, have a measuring stick uh, to see how far you're progressing uh, and, and how far you're improving relative to others. All right, John. Uh, on that note, I'm going to remind listeners to look at the show notes because I'm going to link to the URL of your report of the Pennines. And of course, I will have a few other tidbits on you there as well. I'm also going to suggest that listeners donate to Fastest Known Time. As you notice, uh, boy, we don't have advertising, so people keep this thing going and just donate. Uh, there's no independent foundation supporting what we're doing here. So please kick in a few dollars here and there through PayPal or Patreon. And John, we're going to stay in touch because you got a couple ideas in the works going back on the Pennine Way and possibly the Grand Round. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Got some, uh, yeah so. August is going to be busy. Well, if, if I go back to the Penine Way, that, that wouldn't be until next year. Um, so wow. I've, I've got a grand round here in, in two or three weeks, and uh, then my wife and I are expecting an addition to the family in, in September. So that'll, uh, th that'll be the end of my, my uh, summer racing season. And a beginning to your sleep deprivation training. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Good talking with you, John. You too. I enjoyed it. <laughs>